Welcome to an inspirational message recorded live at Middle Falls Christian Center. Let's give God a praise offering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, what a marvelous truth it is to know that we are never alone. Lord, that of all the people in the world, you've chose each and every single one of us individually, not that we would be alone. Many in this world are alone because they do not know you, but we are not so. What a privilege, what an honor, what a blessing it is, Lord, that we are not alone. So Father, then manifest yourself upon your people this morning. May your Holy Spirit come upon us Open up the eyes of our understanding. Bring revelation and understanding that we forever keep on changing to become more like our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory then to the name above every other name, the name of Jesus Christ. And if you believe this, then we say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much, band. always great to be in the house of God. It's always great to share what the Lord has for each and every single one of you. You know, yesterday we had the, uh, the Christian business breakfast. And at some point, I could just... Whoa, something wrong here? No, it's not. At some point, I could just hear the people talking and they fellowshipping. And it was just great fun, great discussions and happiness and you would think for that moment this world is in such a great state or place because when you listen to that and you look at that there's happiness there's joy and there's laughter and I was thinking if we can take that recipe and we just place it everywhere in this world then this world will be a totally different place. Why is it that Christians can do that? Get together, have fun, have laughter, have fellowship, have joy, and yet the world tries to keep us right there. We live in a world where very few things make sense right now. When you see what is happening in this world, when you look at it from the natural eye, it just doesn't make sense, does it? It's a strange world, but for the person who walks with God, it makes perfectly sense because we don't look through the eyes of the natural any longer. Because we are in Christ, we see and discern and know the things in the Spirit. We see the world for what it is. We see where it is heading. It doesn't frighten us. We know what's coming. We're excited about this. Sadly so, at the dismay of many, for those who are lost. But this world just doesn't make sense, does it? I suppose the best way to describe it, if I can use the words of Warren Buffett, you all, most of you probably know who he is, a very well-known billionaire. He said these words. He said, Wall Street is the only place where the people come to Wall Street with Rolls Royces to get advice from people who use the subway. Doesn't make sense, does it? It's the world that we live in. It's the world that we've come to know that is lost. But it's not our world. It is not our world. 
in the last week of our Lord Jesus Christ, as he was coming down, having all these people with him and putting him on a colt of a donkey, going into Jerusalem. They were singing songs to him. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And as he entered into Jerusalem, the people in Jerusalem, the Jews, asked those people, what is this commotion about? Who is this person that they're making this big fuss about? And they said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, in Galilee. That's the best that his own people that spent time with him in Galilee could come to, that they could conjure up, that our Lord Jesus was a prophet from the region of Galilee, from, from Nazareth. And in seven days, in seven days, those last seven days of our Lord Jesus Christ in Jerusalem, they would come to know him as the Son of God. They who walked with him, including them who were in Jerusalem themselves. That it would cost a centurion taking the body of Jesus Christ off the cross, that he would say, truly, this was the Son of God. He came unto his own, and they did not know him. His own people did not know him. And all along... Ever since then, and even before that, God has always wanted the people to get to know Him. That is God's desire. His greatest work, God's greatest work, is that He would come and reveal Himself as God to His people. How did He do that? Through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's the only way that we would come to know that there is a God, and Christ had to, become in, had to come in the flesh so that we would come to know Him. God's greatest plan for man was salvation. Because of sin, we were destined for eternal hell, damnation, and death. But God's plan, His greatest plan was salvation because through this, we would be reconciled with Him. God's greatest desire, however, was that we would know Him, that we would come to know Him. Because God has got a desire that we should fellowship with Him. And when we fellowship with Him, we get to know His blessings. And blessing is a word that we've all heard. But it is probably the most abused, misappropriated, misunderstood thing that had been given to mankind. Because we somehow, and even in Christian circles, we are being told that blessings, or we're being taught that blessings is something that comes upon us periodically, or on a certain occasion. We can pray for the blessing to come, and then we hope, and then we wait for the blessing to come. That is not how God works. When God blesses, it is forever. There's no stop to it. There's no end to it. You see, we step out of the blessing. God never stops blessing. When we behave in an ungodly way, we step out of that blessing. It's never been God's plan or His inclination or His desire to stop blessing us. And we're going to read about it shortly. You can go in the Bible so long to the book of 1 Samuel, and we will read a few verses out of chapter 18. 
God has always designed His blessings to rest upon His people because His blessings is His presence, is His power, and without it we cannot live or exist. And that is available to all of those who believe God because that is what God wants for us. In 1 Samuel 18, it is a follow-on from 1 Samuel 17 where David now slayed the giant. And there's a big thing made about this. David is now on his way. Saul decides that David is not going to go home. This man who slayed the giant, I'm going to keep for me. He's a war hero. So he took him with him and he stayed in the palace with him. Saul's son, Jonathan, makes a covenant with David. And they are knitted together. And things are all falling in place for David. If you take just this chapter, chapter 18 of 1 Samuel, and you read the whole chapter, it is the life that I would want to live. I can just tear this out, not that I will. Tear this out, roll it up and take it with me, and I'll read it every single day. And that for me is sufficient to know I will live a blessed life and God is for me, He's with me, and there's nothing that I need to worry. You just take that chapter and you read it, and that is a summary of the life that God has for all of us. And you may say, yes, okay, it's David. David is, is, is referred to in the Bible as a man after God's heart. What stops you from being that person? Who said that you cannot be a man and a woman after God's heart? It wasn't exclusive to David only. And yes, you must say, okay, well, David now, he was called and he was gonna be anointed as the king. I said, so what? Aren't we royalty in the kingdom of God? We are joined as with Christ. So, so, so can, can, can you and I not uh, attain to that? Can we not achieve that? Is that just destined for one person? All of this meant nothing. If David, being called to do this, he still had to believe it, he still had to act in a way, and he still had to behave accordingly before he would become king. Just because God blesses someone and because he says it, it has got no value until the recipient totally walk in those promises. God says it, we must receive it and we must take it. And I want to read and we're going to start there out of verse 5 of 1 Samuel 18 verse 5. I want to show you today what is available to every single one of us, irrespective of how crazy this world is getting, irrespective of whatever situation that you may be encountering right now, because God's word says this, Let's go. Verse 5, 1 Samuel 18. So David went out wherever Saul sent him, and he behaved wisely. Pay attention, he behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. In other words, in the king's palace. All the people who served in the king's palace, even they accepted David. Who, who wouldn't want to have this? Who wouldn't want to be treated like this? But the key is, David behaved wisely. The word behaved is, in Hebrew means, it's to become, to come to pass, and to be. In essence, it means it becomes your way of living. It becomes the way of how you live as an identity. David behaved, he became, it became his identity, but in what? In God. You and I can choose who that 
is going to be. But for him, it was God. And when it says here he acted wisely, it says here it, he became prudent and he gave attention to. And what's the beautiful thing about the Hebrew here, it says that when you behave with this kind of wisdom, it's not the ordinary kind of wisdom. It is the divine kind of wisdom. It says behaving in this way automatically attracts the following, that you are going to be prosperous and successful. So David behaved. His identity was in God to behave in a manner with a wisdom that attracted automatically success and prosperity. That is the promise that God gave him. And David chose to, to, to live this way. But we're going to learn and see how David stayed in this and he grew in this. Because it wasn't enough for him just to be in this. That as he walked with God, it increased that Behavior of walking in wisdom. You see, I, I do believe from a world's perspective, I do believe that the world thinks that we have an unfair advantage. Christians, believers, talking about born-again believers. Because they look at us and they would say, how can it be that you have faith? How can it be that you have hope? How can it be that you are at peace? But truth, let's, let's, let's be truthful. We're not always in that state. Sometimes it's hard to get to that place. But we always got a point of reference to go back to. And the world look at us and they, and they think, how can you do that? How, how is that possible? How is that that we decide to trust and believe in God? The world looks at this and they think, how is it? Just look at what's happening in the world. How can you decide to trust and believe in a God whom you can't see? Looking purely from the world's perspective. And it just doesn't make sense to them. And yet, all the facts and the information proves that it is true. That we as the believers can live such life and we live the better life. Medically, psychologically, statistically, it has been proven that if we are such a people who live with a godly kind of peace and we believe and trust in God and choose to live and behave differently to the world, it is proven that we live a healthier life. Christians, believers, live a healthier life. And even when you're sick, our turnaround time for healing is much quicker and faster than those who don't believe. It proves that we don't live a life. Well, those who are believers, statistics and medically, it's proven that we're far less depressed and oppressed. It proves that it proves these are facts, worldly facts, proves that we are far more positive, in spite of what's happening in the world, that we are far more positive than those who don't believe. How is it that that happened? How is it that David could be like this and live like this? Because God gives us a very, very precious key here. David behaved wisely. It was all about his attitude. He could choose how he would live, and he chose to behave wisely. And it's something that I remember years ago when I was in the, attended a particular course, when I was still in the corporate world, a Christian, he was a lecturer, a Christian said this to us, and I always remember it since then. It is not your aptitude, but it's your attitude that will determine your altitude. I'll say it again. It is not your aptitude, in other words, whom you have become in your own eyes, your qualifications, your history, your studies, your titles, whatever you have. It's not your aptitude, but it is your attitude 
that will determine your altitude. In other words, where you're going, where you're going to grow and increase. Because this is exactly what God wants for all of us. You see, it's one thing to think wisely. It is one thing to speak wisely. But it all boils down to this. To behave wisely. To act. In other words, it must be seen in the way that you live And for David, it proved here, it shows you, he behaved wisely. So Saul sent him to the men of war. He was accepted in the sight of the people and also in the sight of Saul's servant. And because David acted wisely, there are three things that God brought upon David's life. And these three things didn't happen at one moment in time. It continued. It was progressive in his life because that is what God's blessing is. And this is what I want to share with you this morning because David isn't unique. This is a representation of what every Christian can have and should have. And the condition is made very clear by God. Behave wisely like David did and you will have what he had. Because God is not a respecter of persons. God does for every person who walks according to his statutes, his his commands, and his laws. And if you honor God, his blessings that are to follow will come upon all of you. The first thing that God blessed David with, he gave him authority. He gave David authority. We, We read here, immediately Saul set him over the men of war. David was given the authority over certain men. He wasn't, just understand, he wasn't given the whole army of Israel to to guard over. Abner at the time was the general to the army of Israel. A certain regiment or troop or a certain area, David was given responsibility. David understood authority. He submitted under King Saul. And because he submitted He understood authority and therefore God gave him authority so that he would have men under him. You only get authority in this life when you are able to submit under authority. God teaches us that. And if you do not get it, you will lose it today. Therefore, any person in this world who has got a disrespect for authority, those who rebel and are obstinate against any form of authority. They will never be in a position of authority, nor will they ever have authority. And God has given that to the church, to you as the body of Christ. Every single one of you sitting here today have received dominion, have received authority. And you don't have to go and look far. Just go to the book of Genesis, the first chapter, 26 to 28. It says there, when God created everything, the whole of creation... Man was placed as having dominion over it all. God gave us all that authority. That is ours, but we gave it away. Sin robbed us from that authority. And today, the world is as mad as it is because we've allowed authority to stay in the hands of those who are wrong and evil. That's not God's plan for us. God gave it in the beginning. He's never taken it back from us. We've allowed it to sit in the hands of Satan. And he's wielding this scepter of authority all over the world, doing as he wishes. Evil abound, ludicrous 
ideas and thoughts are being pumped into this world and people's minds are going crazy because they think this is the new norm. We must act like this and we must think like this because a majority, it's only a majority of people who's making the loudest noise and the world is giving attention to this. Why? Because they know what authority is. Those people who drives the agenda of the Antichrist, the evil and the wicked people, they know what authority is. They create chaos and mayhem. People become confused. And then sooner or later, because they're confused and then don't have the Word of God, they think, all right, this is acceptable. We should adjust to this. We can accept now that we can marry each and every single one. The stop street, the lamppost, the pastor always says, you can marry whatever, however you want. You can respect whomever you want. You are your own God and you can be and determine who you want to be. All these subtle things is because they know what authority is and we have let them having it. It should not be so because God has given us the ability to have authority. Just in Genesis, God confirms we've got authority over all of creation. That is destined for God's people, not for the world. Then God goes in Luke 10, 19 and He says, I've also given you authority over the demonic realm. You always fight your battle there first. You obtain your victory in the Spirit. You go and get your victory there and it will manifest in your life, in the, in the natural dimension. I've had enough that this world is having and enjoying what is mine. We should not be a defeated people because God has never withdrawn His authority from us. It is still ours in Christ Jesus. And yes, the key, it is in the Word. How do you take back the authority that God has given you? Listen to what Christ said. It is written. It is written. Here, it is written here. It says it is yours and mine through Christ. Listen to what the Word of God says. Romans 5 verse 17, for if by the offense of the one, the dead did reign through the one, that is Adam now, and through the offense, which was sin, much more those who the abundance of the grace and of the free gift of the righteousness are receiving, because in life they shall reign through the one, Jesus Christ. We are called to reign. We are called to have dominion. We are called to have authority. And God has made it available to us. It is our prerogative to take it back. If we leave it, it's in the hands of the enemy. And we've all seen what he's busy doing with that. The world is truly in a mess. It is. The world is truly in a mess. But God has given us that ability to change it around when we take back our authority. And I was thinking about just, just, just a simple example, how we can do this. Now, we've been talking about prayer meetings or prayer cells in the last two weeks or so. You've heard it being mentioned. Imagine for one moment, every one of you sitting here represent a household. You're either married or a child in a particular family, or you may be single, but you represent the household. If every household here would just say, we will start a prayer cell, just getting together, that household, once a week, just once a week, and this whole church is praying together. Once a week, all joining together, in unison, praying together. And we pray about the same things. I tell you this, 
by the proof of God's word, things will change. Because when we pray, when we do that thing, when we take our authority and we take back in the spirit what is rightfully ours, then everything in the natural dimension is going to change. We are so consumed by when will this road be built? When is the electricity going to come back? When is ESCOM going to approve or to improve? We're fighting the wrong battles. Our authority doesn't lie there. We win those battles on our knees, together, in prayer, taking back the authority which is ours in the name of Jesus Christ. Then God does what He does best. Then, then we activate God to do what He does best. Behave wisely and you will be given authority and you will have authority don't forfeit that authority. Take back the authority that God gave you. David never relinquished that authority. And that is why he could live the life that he lived. He ended his life the way that he did because he never gave his authority away. The second thing that God does for all of us when we behave wisely is this. God promotes. That's God's desire to promote. And like God's blessings, promotion doesn't come your way once. It is a continuous state of God to promote and to elevate because that's what He does. That's what He wants to do. And I'll give you this example. We've got verse 5 there. It says there, Saul said David over men of war. Generally, it is referred to in the um, biblical studies and research, the biblical scholars reckon this was similar to the New Testament like a centurion, somebody who was in charge of like 100, 220 people. So here he's placed over the men of war. Then we read in verse 13. Let's read what it says there. Therefore Saul removed David from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand. So now it's a thousand. Used to be a few hundred or a hundred or something. Now it's a thousand. But it doesn't stop there. Even when David was persecuted by Saul and he had to flee, all alone God brought him 400 men. You read that in 1 Samuel 20, 20, 23, 22 and 23. And then in 1 Samuel 23 verse 13, God adds another 200. So now he's got 600 men. Those 600 men, don't think that number is small. Those 600 men became the mighty warriors of David. That every army feared because they were mighty warriors. They did miracles David trained up these soldiers. So when the day came that he would become king, these men knew exactly what to do. So much so that he trained them that three of them would go into an enemy camp, the Philistines, just to draw water from a well in Bethlehem. David was promoted and God kept on promoting him. In 2 Samuel 2, you read, now David becomes king of Judah for seven years. 2 Samuel 5, David becomes king of Israel for 33 years. And in the end, out of David's lineage would come the Messiah. Look at the promotion that God kept on adding to David's life. That is available to every single one of you. When you walk wisely, listen to what it says there in verse 14. We read in verse 5, and when David went out wherever Saul sent him, he behaved wisely. Listen to verse 14. And David behaved wisely in all his ways. David increased in how he behaved wisely. Look at verse 30. David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul. David didn't stop behaving wisely. 
In fact, he increased. And the more he increased in the manner with which he conducted himself with wisdom, the more God added to him. He didn't stagnate. He didn't arrive at a place and think, this is it for me. I have arrived at this place called wisdom, and that is sufficient. He grew, and the more he grew in that behavior of wisdom, the more God added to him, because it is God's will to add to us. It is God's will to bless us. Then lastly, when we walk like David, behaving wisely, it is God who increases. It is God's desire and his business to increase. You see, David kept his eyes upon God. David wasn't stronger than Goliath. Man on man on a fight, he would have been defeated. David wasn't stronger than Goliath. David wasn't more powerful than Saul. But David had God. David only kept his eyes upon God. You know where Saul went wrong? Saul kept his eyes on David. David kept his eyes on God. Saul saw how God was blessing David and how David grew in stature and approval even amongst all the Israelites. And the more Saul saw it, the more he became envious. The more he took his eyes off God and his eyes was being kept on the man of God. But David never took his eyes from God. David wasn't perturbed or even worried about what Saul did. In every way, God came through for David because David held on to God's blessings. He knew what God said. You're a man after my heart. You're going to be a king one day. That was the promises that he held on to. What is the promises that you are holding on to for your life? What in God's word are you holding on to for your life? Because I tell you, if you keep on behaving wisely like David did, it will increase in your life because it's God's desire to increase. Listen to what God says in, in Psalm 91 verse 9. If you make the Lord God your refuge and if, you make the most high your shelter, and this is going to happen. No evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your, ho your house or your home. But there's more. For God will order his angels to protect you wherever you go, and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. But there's more. You will trample upon lions and cobras. That is the enemy. You will destroy the enemy. When something is under your feet, you've got the authority. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. And just as God kept on increasing in David's life, so did the misery in Saul's life also increase. Whereas God blesses his chosen ones, he also keeps on penalizing and being harsh on those who pursue the paths of evil. Listen, in verse 12 it says, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David. Then verse 29, Saul was still more afraid of David because he saw how God was doing more upon David's life. The more God do and he does in your life, the more the enemy becomes fearful of you because Saul saw that God was with David. And it was increasing. It was continuous. It was ongoing. It didn't cease. It never stopped. But David behaved wisely. And I'm closing off with this. All of this David could only do when he got it right in the beginning. 
David had to deal with his adversary. And his adversary, his enemy was Saul. He had all the reasons, the legal reasons to kill Saul. Because Saul pursued him. Saul even tried to kill him. But David didn't give in to the temptation to destroy the anointed of God. He did not give in to that temptation. And from here on in, you must see how David was a type of Christ because he runs parallel with the life of Christ here. Christ also, when our Lord Jesus established his ministry here on the earth, he had to contend with the adversary first. When he came out of the desert, those 40 days, he had to deal with the temptation of Satan not to give in to the temptation of bowing down and taking what Satan offered unto him. The moment you deal with the adversary in the godly way, you set yourself up for continuous blessings. Because from here on in, David was given a hundred or so men that he was in charge over. And so our Lord Jesus Christ, after he came out of the desert, he went into the town of Nazareth, and there he opened up the scroll, his own people, and he preached the gospel to the few hundred that were there. David went on and then he became in charge of a thousand. Christ went on and he then started preaching to the multitudes, to the various cities around, signs and wonders and miracle. Saul, I mean, David went on and he appeared before Saul, the king, royalty, and even his servants were pleased with him. Christ himself at the end of his journey, before his crucifixion, he appeared before the royalty of the time and that was Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate even saw, and it's written in the word of God, it says, he knew they wanted to crucify him because of their envy towards him. Just as you will increase in your walk with God and God will increase and promote continuously, so calamity will increase upon your enemies because it starts with envy. And yes, Saul is a representation of Satan and how it works with anybody that's possessed by Satan. It starts with envy, then it grows into hatred and it ends up in murder in killing, in death. Saul wanted to destroy David. He even threw a spear at him twice. That is the path of those who follow the path of wickedness. You see, we all want to get the hundredfold blessing. We all want to carry the hundredfold fruit. But it has to start with the thirtyfold. The condition of even carrying any fruit is this. You have to sow the seed on good ground. And then the 30-fold comes. And when God sees you walk wisely as David does, he will increase and you will carry and, and will produce 60-fold. And when you show yourself worthy of producing 60-fold, God will increase. But listen and see how the increase works in David's life. In verse 5, it says here, he behaved wisely. In verse 14, it says, he behaved wisely in all his ways. And verse 30 says, he behaved more wisely then all the servants of Saul, David kept increasing and behaving wisely and God could not help but kept on increasing and promoting him because that qualified David to receive the best from God. And that's available to each and every single one of you. I want to close with this testimony, which is true. Kenneth Hagen tells about this preacher, a Presbyterian preacher. And he was in this particular town in the USA and in this town, there was a massive fire, and the fire was growing. Timber, homes, cattle were all destroyed, and the people of the town didn't know um, where it was all going to. And this Presbyterian preacher, preacher was just in town for certain teachings, and he was sitting the morning there in the barber shop to get a shave from the barber. And one man came running in, and he just read a telegram. 
And the telegram said this, pray for rain. That's all it said, pray for rain. And the barber said, well, fortunately, we have got a preacher here in the seat. I'm about to shave his beard and let's ask him to pray. So they went to the barber and the barber said, preacher, please pray for rain. And that Presbyterian preacher said, sorry, I don't believe in this. We don't believe in praying these things. And the people there in the barber shop started talking. They say, well, there is a group of people at the outskirts of the town getting together every single morning at 10 o'clock and they pray. We call them the holy rollers. They're the funny people. They pray. He said, but who would go to them? Because everybody was afraid of them. So this Presbyterian preacher, Jamieson was his name, Reverend Jamieson. He, he mustered up the courage and he said, okay, I will take this telegram to them tomorrow morning. So the next morning, 10, 10 o'clock, he's there. And he opens up the tent and he said, and yes, it's a funny thing. 20, about 20 people or so, and they're all praying together. And it's loud. He's never experienced that. When, in his church, when you pray, one person pray, he prays. And they're praying. And he says he couldn't determine who's the leader in this group. So he went up to one of the men and he tapped him on the shoulder and this man stood up and he silenced everybody who were, who were praying there with him and he said, we've got a telegram here that says pray for rain. He says, anybody here who believes that God can send the rain, raise your hands. And all those 20 people raised their hands. And he says, right, let's go to pray. And we pray now for rain. And he said, suddenly again, he got a fright because suddenly a loud noise and all of 20 of them, they started praying together. And he said, soon they ended. And the same man asked the people in the tent, right, whom of you now believe that when we prayed for rain that God is going to send the rain? And they all raised their hands. He said, right, let us all get together, lift our hands and praise God and give Him a praise offering because the rain is going to come. And this preacher was standing by this time by the end of the tent um, exit because he said he'd never seen something, something like this. So this man came up to him and he said, take this telegram, send that telegram and tell them tonight, 10 o'clock, it's going to rain. Now, this preacher was highly upset and very confused because he's never heard this thing. So he goes back to the barbershop and tells the people this is what he did when he went to the tent. And they all say, it's going to rain 10 o'clock tonight. And they started laughing, patting each other on the back, laughing at the dismay of these people. Say, these holy rollers, they're really from the funny farm. Because in the next four days, it was forecasted. No rain, clear skies. You can see the moon clearly. No rain at all. That same preacher went to bed that night and in his house, the, the, the house that he was staying in temporarily whilst he was visiting that town, he and his wife, nine o'clock, were in bed and he was looking outside the window and he saw the full moon, beautiful sky, clear sky. And he was reminded of the prayer meeting that morning that he went and he, tell, and he told his wife about this and she tells him, it's impossible. And she started laughing. She said, I even did washing. My washing is hanging outside. It's not going to rain. And even the newspaper that we've got there on the desk says, rain is not forecasted for the whole week. Clear skies we have here. And he says they dozed, they dozed off at about 9.30. And they slept. And he said it wasn't long. And then he heard this, this sound. It was an upsetting sound. And he said he woke up, he went to the window, and he saw thunder in the distance. And he was just thinking about this. And the next moment, he says, a torrent of rain came down like never experienced before. He said that washing was all over. And he said that moment that the rain came down, he looked at the watch and he saw it was 10 o'clock on the dot. 10 o'clock on the dot. And this worried this preacher. Yes, glory to God for that. That's what God does. And this bothered this reverend because he's never 
prayed like this. He never believed in that kind of prayer. He said when he went back to his own town that he would finish his sermons and then after that he would run across to the Pentecostal church just up the road and to go and sit in the church. He said he was always sitting at the back listening to what they're saying and he was taking notes in his Bible. All these scriptures they're talking about what I can have and what the Lord says and about the Holy Spirit. And he said, and slowly but surely he started moving forward and moving forward, moving forward until one day he was sitting right in the front of that same church. And then he started going out with the people who were praying and he saw the one miracle after the other. That is the power of when we pray and we pray together. Because when you behave wisely, God has got all these things planned for us. That he's the one who's going to change the circumstances. And it is all possible because we keep our eyes upon God like David did. And God will not only bless you continuously, ongoing, but he will also take care of the enemy. Amen. Let's stand and give the Lord a praise offering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Our God is great and He reigns. Our majesty on high and there's none like Him. This is the God that we have that the world looks at us and they think, how can you be hopeful? How can you have hope? How can you have peace? How can you have faith? This is the God whom we serve. Amen. Amen. Let's raise our hands to our Heavenly Father. Holy Father God, may you always just be glorified. Lord, may we always learn and grow. And thank you, Lord, that your blessings are ours continuously, consistently. Help us then to, like David, behave wisely and to increase in that so that your blessings will remain in our life, that we may become a witness unto this world of who He is, who has bestowed such blessings upon us. Bless your people then, Lord. Bestow upon them your favor, your glory, your blessings, so that even in this day, Lord, even in this week, that many will encounter miracles, signs, and wonders, breakthrough, answered prayers for that which they are standing for, all by the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit, in the name above every other name, which is the name our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, as we depart from here, may your grace, your blessing, and your provision remain upon us. Keep us humble and sincere until we return together. Glory in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we all agree and say, Amen. Amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.